Greetings and welcome to Stamper Cinema. As always, I am your host. My name is Andrew. In this week's episode, we have a real, real treat of a guest. I know I've said that before, and quite frankly, every time I've said that before, it is true, but it is even more so true today. We are unbelievably lucky that we've got the guests that we've got in store for you today. She's a writer. She's a producer. She's a social media badass. She's a a podcaster. I mean, she wears many, many hats. It's going to be awesome. I'm really excited. Currently, she is busy in uh, post-production of a documentary. She's going to tell you a little bit about it. I don't want to steal any of that thunder, but y'all are going to be blown away. It, it, it's it's super cool. You can find her on every form of social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you name it. She's everywhere. You can find her under the, the handle Sassy Sledgehammer. That's right. We've got DeAndra Laser. DeAndra, hey, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, again, thank you very much for, for joining me. Can you tell us the movie that we're going to be talking about today. We are talking about my one of my favorite movies of all time, actually tied for my favorite movie of all time, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which I never get tired of talking about. <laughs> awesome. Uh, you said it's tied. What is it tied with? <laughs> it's, um, it's tied with um, The Phantom of the Opera from 2004. Okay. I loved it so much when I was a kid and the music makes me cry. So it just, it just means a lot to me. So it, those are, those are neck and neck. Yeah. Obviously very, very <laughs> different scopes right there. Yeah. Are you big, are you big into the theater as well? Have you ever seen Phantom of the Opera? Yeah, I saw it. I saw it a couple times on stage. What about, there was like a, like a 1980s, like Phantom of the Opera, like horror film. Did you ever yeah, see but- that? Oh yeah, with Robert England when yep, they did <laughs> when they did the Robert England one. Oh, of course. I mean, you combine Freddie and Phantom, my two men together, and it's <laughs> Robert England. I mean, that is just the best thing I could have ever had. And um, my boyfriend and I have been trying to go through and rewatch or watch for the first time all the different variations of the Phantom of the Opera. We've both read the book mm-hmm. um, by Gaston Leroux, and so now we both love it that's kind of how we got together and um so we've just been going back through and trying to watch all the different versions of it i actually i own the 1920s version uh with lon cheney because i won it during my eighth grade birthday party when we played um musical chairs and my mom wouldn't give it to me so i said i'm gonna i'm gonna win this i'm gonna win this she's like you have to win it i was like what the heck so i did and i and now i own it and um, trying to get more um, versions of Phantom. Uh, but yeah, love it. Love the story. Yeah, admittedly, I had never seen the like the stage production until maybe maybe three or four years ago. My wife and I, we were living in Austin, and it's far and away her favorite uh, playing or musical. And I had never I had never seen it. I I did see the 1980s film because uh, I am a, a horror movie junkie. Well, just a movie junkie in general. But I had mm-hmm. never had you know I, I knew I knew the songs, but I had never seen it. And I'm not gonna lie, I I was blown away. I thought it was infinitely better than I was prepared. Like going into it, you know, just I don't know when 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 you're familiar with a piece, it, it's and you've never seen it. It, it still kind of feels like it's gonna be hard for it to live up to it uh, the expectations, but. 
Yeah. I mean, I've got no judgment for you just seeing it because I watched the 2004 Phantom of the Opera before I ever saw it, anything on stage, before I ever read the books or anything like that. Of course, everybody knows about Phantom. So, right. and a lot of people really make fun of the movie because Gerard Butler's singing isn't great, but he's still the love of my life <laughs> because of that movie. And I don't care what anybody says. Um, and it's just really well done. Emmy Rossum does such a great job. And it, so it just holds a, a really, a really nice place in my heart. I actually thought it was a horror movie at first Um, my grandma took me to see it when it came into theaters in 2004 and I was like is it scary it's a phantom like what does he do and she's like no it's not scary and then I remember in the very beginning like Carlotta was holding up this severed head and I was like grandma why (laughs) it was too much for me then Mm -hmm. and then several years later I became a horror movie fan and that was like whatever (laughs) uh, Patrick Wilson I believe he was also in that one right yeah 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 yeah. he was wrapped Uh, He and I, we went to the, we didn't go to the same time, but he also went to the the same college that I went to over in Pittsburgh, uh, Carnegie Mellon, because you're over in, you're in Columbus, right? Yeah, I'm from, I'm originally from Youngstown, so I've gone to Pittsburgh a lot growing up. I say this forever and I've said this for years, Kennywood is my favorite place on the face of the earth. <laughs> Yay, Kennywood. Yeah, uh, I, <laughs> I was only there for, for two years, but living in Pittsburgh was like two of the coolest years. It's a really, really cool town. It is. It's really nice. Uh, random weird occurrence because of the fact that I went to Carnegie Mellon. Patrick Wilson was doing a kind of like a seminar type thing for for the drama students because I, I was in that program. And uh, Carnegie Mellon has a really old drama program. But I, I'll never forget. I went down. I went down to the restroom, um, and Patrick Wilson was in there, but he was beating the hell out of like a paper towel dispenser. Uh, I guess I, I, I don't know what had happened if <laughs> if something got like stuck. That's a good one, man. But he was going ham on this uh, paper towel dispenser, and. I, I go in and he is shocked and horrified that, but, and he immediately like, <laughs> like ran into like one of the bathroom stalls uh, to kind of like hide. It was, it was, it was weird. I, I didn't know that he was down there and you just go into a restroom and you see Patrick Wilson beating the hell out of a, a paper towel dispenser. That would make sense. He's been doing horror movies. That would make for like a really good horror movie, like the POV or the paper towel dispenser and Patrick Wilson's <laughs> beating the crap out of you. And all of a sudden somebody comes up behind and is like, you good man? And he's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the next insidious. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I loved Insidious. All right. So we can uh, transition a little bit. So yeah, we're going to talk about Wes Craven's new nightmare. And I also know that you're a huge, huge Freddy, Freddy fan. Now for the three people in this world that have no idea this, this story, do you want to maybe just briefly give introduction to the world that is Elm Street? Yeah. um, So for anybody who might be listening, that doesn't know a lot of about a nightmare on Elm Street. It's about first off, shame on you. Yeah, seriously. I mean, how could you not know who Freddy Krueger is? I feel like to take a quote from you know Wes Craven's new nightmare. Everybody knows. Every every kid knows who Freddy is. He's like Santa Claus. Um, because he is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I guess different cultures. I actually had somebody that I work with who doesn't really know Freddy Krueger. He was like, oh, I think I've seen him. I was like, what? How long have you been here? (laughs) Anywho, so the world of A Nightmare on Elm Street is about a (laughs) 
a child killer who essentially has been, not essentially, he was burnt by the parents of his local town because he was murdering kids. He was a serial killer um, for children and some other stuff potentially happened with him, originally intended by Wes Craven, even worse things, which is so weird that we say that, like molestation versus killing, like molestation is much worse. I mean, they're both equally as bad, but I digress. And um, so Freddie has now become like this dream demon who haunts people's nightmares and kills the kids of the parents who murdered him. And then he passes into, from one kid whose parents were involved into kind of fresh anybody, basically open season in uh, Springwood, which is where this all takes place in Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. This is why I'll never leave the state. And uh, he just wreaks havoc throughout all these movies. And the first movie takes place um, around Nancy Thompson. It eventually became more the Freddy movies. But the first film, the first few films until Freddy became basically a rock star, it was more about the kids. And the first movie is a Nancy movie when Heather Langenkamp plays Nancy. And she also plays herself in Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which came out almost to the date, kind of, um, of the anniversary of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, um, perfect. That that really nails it. Now, obviously, <laughs> as, as you stated, you're a huge, huge uh, Elm Street slash Freddy fan, so I, I know why I love it, but I'm curious why, you know, what... So why Freddy? So I had a dream that turned me into a Freddy fan, ironically. I didn't really know much about him, but like I said, everybody knows who Freddy is. I had a dream he was chasing me. It was super realistic. And then I woke up the next day and was like, huh, huh. I think I want to watch his movies. So that's where that kind of essentially started. But what really got me into the movies was Nancy Thompson mm. because I had big poofy brown hair. I was the girl <laughs> next door who lived in Ohio and who didn't have a lot of friends. I had a best friend who was a lot like Tina. And so I just related a lot to Nancy and we both had this inner strength, but we were both a little soft-spoken, but we could be very feisty and being resourceful. And Nancy was just this character who went after the bad guys and she did her best in life and she tried to protect people. And I really loved that about her. I felt like I saw a lot of myself on screen, but at the same time, somebody that I'd want to be more like. Uh, And that's what got me into A Nightmare on Elm Street. And of course, Freddie came along with that. But I also really loved Freddie because he had so much personality. He was scary, but he was kind of funny. And he was also seductive. I know the looks is, you look at him and you're like, he's gross. Like he's burned from head to toe completely. How could you feel that this guy is attractive? And that's why they say, you know, love is not only skin deep, you know, it's it's underneath. And there was just something about his personality that was charming and terrifying and dark. And he just loved to be sarcastic sometimes. And I, I love that about him. He just, and his whole look about his burned face with the fedora and the <laughs> sweater and the claw. I love the Freddy gloves. I'm obsessed with them. I think they're some of the most beautiful pieces of, I don't know, craftsmanship that I've ever seen. I own a replica of the part one glove and I, I just, I watch videos of them hours on end. 
And so it was just everything about the movies. And I loved the idea that this suburbia, and I came from a small town in Ohio, and this suburbia, everybody always had expectations. They were kind of fake sometimes. And, you know, it was all pretty and nice. But then underneath, there's this dark underbelly of these bad things that these parents did. And it was mm-hmm. just so interesting to me because it was almost kind of rebellious. Like, yeah, everything's not as perfect as you think. It's actually really dark and not everybody is that great. And there was just something about those cracks in in and that pristine image that just really grabbed me yeah. and so I love movies that have to deal with it like American Beauty I love American Beauty because it's about the same thing the white picket fence but there's so much more underneath that's not great and yeah. I love that because everybody tries to pretend it's perfect but it's not yeah yeah uh, a lot to unpack there uh, first and foremost the nod to American Beauty how great was that movie I love that movie it's so good it's so good uh, second where you're talking about kind of like this underbelly it always makes me think of and I know we're talking about Wes Craven's new nightmare, but this is still kind of like a general Freddy discussion. Yeah, it's like the background. And if anybody hasn't seen it, they kind of have to get this feel before we jump into that movie. Yeah, but you when you're talking kind of like like this underbelly, it was one of the things that I always thought about now. And, and I've never actually read the screenplay and I. I, I don't know if Wes Craven would have anything different to say or if the, the actress that played the mother would have anything different to say. But the fact that she's seemingly like sloshed the entire the entire film, you almost get a sense that what what happened in that neighborhood and ultimately that she was also responsible for like the burning of Freddie that that she's scarred and you, mm-hmm. you see this mother that is just essentially just detached and the only thing that she's really attached to is is booze and it's just kind of interesting to to see if that was something that was intentional uh or if you know they just wanted to play her as as kind of a a drunken mom but i've always looked at it as she's she's scarred from everything that has happened within this town and raising a child that drinking nonstop is kind of like her her coping mechanism yeah, I've always and and that's that's part of um, what I what I'd really loved is and that's why her and Don I think split too because of that whole situation. That's probably really what drove the wedge even deeper between them. I know a lot of people talk about if they could make another Nightmare on Elm Street movie, if they could make a prequel. For me, it would be like uh, it would revolve around Don and mm. Marge and mm. kind of tracking down this killer. You've got Dawn on the the cop end. You've got this mother in this town and they're all trying to deal with it. The town's trying to deal with it. But Marge and Donald are really the ones behind it who are the driving forces of going after Freddie. That's why she has this glove. And that's why they're so, that's why they're separated. That's why she drinks all the time. And, and she drinks more even as Nancy starts you know, kind of going crazy because she knows that Nancy knows this guy that they killed and she's trying to tell her that it's fake. And Marge wants to believe it's fake because they just can't imagine that they didn't get rid of this terrible person and that he is still causing pain um, for their children. Yeah. So when were you introduced to the like Elm Street series? I had seen little bits and pieces of the movies on TV, like the scene when Marge is all burnt and going into the bed. I remember being terrified anytime I would turn on a TV and the movie would be on, it would always be on that scene. But I didn't really watch them until I was 14 years old. Mm. That's when I, when I had the dream and that's when I became 
a fan, essentially. The first one I rented and watched all the way through was Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. So I really love it and will yeah. always love it. And then uh, after that, it was part four. And then I went to the original film and fell in love and it kind of went from there. And one of the last movies I, I watched was Wes Craven's New Nightmare. And I actually did not like it at first. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, one that that kind of bums me out. Um, <laughs> but uh, but no, I, I it, it's interesting. Like, uh, what was the first horror film that you had seen? Over the years, as I've been thinking about this, I ha- the original answer I gave was the first one I saw all the way through was Jeepers Creepers mm. at a slumber party. But I don't even think that was it. I might think it might have been before that I saw. Um, I actually just bought a two-piece VHS set of the Langoliers because I remember watching that on TV (laughs) and being petrified. And I haven't seen it since then, so I want to watch those. But it might be the Universal Monster movies. It was, I would say, it was the Wolfman, the original Wolfman. And then it was Frankenstein meets the Wolfman because my, my grandma would babysit me when my parents were at work. And my cousin, who's 10 years older than me, really loved those movies. And he would have them under underneath where she kept all her VHS tapes and I would just decide to watch those and I really enjoyed them a lot. So do you you still like like the classic monster movies now? Yeah, I do. I haven't I don't watch them as much as I uh I used to, but and and I I would like to and there's a bunch that I still haven't seen that I haven't seen or haven't seen in a very long time, but but yeah, I really I really enjoyed those, and the creature from the Black Lagoon is still <laughs> yeah. one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my my Freddy origin story, if uh, if you care to hear me ramble for yeah, a few seconds. Yeah, I hear it. So I was in the second grade, and I was invited over to like my neighbors. They they were a few years older. They, they might've been in middle school, you know, I was in second grade, you know, so at second grade and middle school, they, they seem like they're 40, you know, they're just like super old, you know, in comparison, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're so old and so wise. Right. And they're like, Hey, do you want to come over and watch a scary movie? I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? All the, all the big kids are doing it. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to watch this movie. And my mom's like, Andrew, are, are you sure? Are you, are you, are you sure you want to watch the scary movie. I'm like, yes, I can, I can handle this, you know? So I guess at like second grade or what, like seven, maybe, maybe eight. I don't know. Yeah. And the movie was nightmare on Elm street two, And I was terrified in the first five minutes in the bus scene, the bus scene. Oh yeah. That's a terrifying scene. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, I, I casually dipped out. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go check on my mom. You know, I, I think my mom uh, might need me. So I, I made it I made it about five minutes into Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. Had enormous shame uh, that I didn't, that I wasn't able to, like, get through it. So I went back and then watched it uh, with them, like, in the daytime. And I was able to get mm-hmm. through it. But that then piqued my interest. Like, oh, shit. I really dig this. And so from a very young age, I was all about the, the, the nightmare on Elm street films. And 
So does part two say it's like hold a special place in your heart then? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh good. I yeah. love that. I love that. Yeah. Good. And you know, I, I love the like the the Scream Queen documentary that uh that uh just came well yeah. that was just released on Shutter and learning a little bit about that. And I thought that was really great. But you know, I went back and obviously saw the original and every every time I would have any type of like sleepover, I'm like, Hey, we're going to watch a nightmare on Elm street film or whatever. But the, yeah. the first R rated movie that I ever saw in the theater, you mentioned Freddie's dead. And I saw that in the theater. I don't know. I guess I would have been like 12 years old when that came out. And I don't know how, I didn't, I don't think I snuck in, but I think maybe my mom bought me a ticket because I was a crazy little kid that just wanted to watch. Like, you have a cool mom though, that she still buy you a ticket. She was like, are you sure? But she put it in your hands. My mom was like, close your eyes, go yeah. upstairs. Don't look at it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, my, uh, my mom's awesome like that. And she always just, you know, I, I was her only son and I was the only like male in, you know, like uh, my parents were divorced. So I had two older sisters and my mother. So she gave me a lot of freedom just to, Hey, be a, be a guy. If this is what guys are into, then cool. And yeah, so it was the first time I saw a like a 3D movie because Freddy's Dead was like the last half hour was like a was a, like a 3D film, which that was cool. Like when she, uh, she puts on her 3D glasses, you put on your 3D glasses and I'm like, holy shit, this is incredible. And yeah, so love that. And then three years later, Freddy um, Wes Craven's New Nightmare came over and I had a I had a like a love hate relationship with that film. Like well, the first time I got it, when the first time I saw it, because one, you know, I, I, w- I was on a date um, and I had set up this whole world of like, this is how it's going to be. This is what goes on in this movie. And then Wes Craven's new nightmare is completely different. Now, as I've gotten older, it's actually one of the things that I appreciate more about the film, but at, at 14 or 15 years old, and you're trying to like paint a picture for like this girl you're trying to impress. And the movie is not at all like that. But the first time was a letdown because I, I felt not necessarily betrayed. It was just a complete reversal of the role that that I was expecting. And it really wasn't until like Scream came out like a couple years later that I'm like, oh shit, everything that he's doing in Scream, he kind of like painted the picture for already in Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which is like the whole idea of everything that he was going on with the differences between like reality and fiction. And uh, it just gave me like a greater appreciation. And I'm a huge like Scream junkie as well. And I think like, if you like Scream, you need to go back to Wes Craven's new nightmare because he really lays that foundation. Yeah. Um, that's partially kind of, kind of what you said about painting the picture in your head is part of the reason why I didn't like it because I has, was expecting because I was such a big Nancy fan and I knew Heather was in it. That was my main driver for really, really wanting to watch it. And I was so upset that Nancy had died and it was Mm. before I read the innovation comics, which anybody who hasn't, they were commissioned by new line innovation publishing to produce these, a nightmare on Elm street comics, which are basically, um, they say that Nancy lives on within the beautiful dream. So after Kristen dreamed, she said, I'm going to dream you into the beautiful dream at part three. Well, she did. She was powerful enough. And now Nancy is the good to Freddie's evil. And she lives on in the beautiful dream, which is a nod to the original ending for dream warriors that Wes had written with Bruce Wagner, which was that Kristen still that, that, that she's talking to Neil and Neil's like, yeah, I still see her. I actually am going to go see her right now. And she's in the beautiful dream. 
And it gives me some comfort knowing that she's still alive and well in there because those comics are considered canon by New Line. And so I'm very happy <laughs> and because everybody hasn't heard of them or read them. I have to spread the word to let them know that Nancy's alive and well because it makes me feel better. She's also in Freddy versus Jason versus Ash Nightmare Warriors as that very same Nancy in the Beautiful Dream, which is good. But I wanted Nancy back because at the time when I hadn't read them, I was like, I am so crushed that this happened to you, Nancy. <laughs> and <laughs> I just wanted her to return as Nancy. And I watched it and I was like, this is just Heather. Love Heather. But it's just Heather. It's not actually Nancy coming back. Even the point when she turns into Nancy and plays Nancy one last time, it's still Heather playing Nancy. It's not Nancy as Nancy. It's different. And then Freddie, his look, I was so wild i was like he's not burned he's got slit yeah. skin why is his fedora green great jacket but it's not the look yeah also, the eyes are why different. do you have these boots and these leather pants it's just and this claw thing i don't understand it i don't i don't like that and where are all the kills why aren't they in here but i was mostly really pissed about it not being nancy that was the number <laughs> one reason right why i didn't like it even and but as i grew older and I rewatched the movies and I fell more and more in love with everything in Nightmare on Elm Street. It just made so much sense to me. And it spoke to that more sophisticated, sophisticated way of that, that I thought about things. Cause I, I loved English class and I loved to delve into Shakespeare. And I, I listened to Wes talk about the film and I was like, Oh my God, that's so brilliant. Like tied in all this analysis and the symbolism, which he loved to put in all his movies. And just, it was so thought provoking and deep. And Heather gives a hell of a performance. If I'm allowed to swear, she gives a hell of a performance. And right. I just really enjoyed Freddie returning to his dark roots. I liked the idea that I always joke that it is like the official fan film for the Nightmare on Elm Street world. Like what if Nancy Thompson, rather Heather Langenkamp, had to face off against actual Freddie? And you're like, oh, I don't know, that'd make a great movie. Wouldn't that be great to see? And like <laughs> Wes made it. And so um, I always joke about that. but. There's so much that I love about that movie and I've written papers on it in college and my film professor at the time, he's like, I've never seen this movie and he read the paper and he said, this is great. Now I have to see it. And then he said, I watched the movie and now it's my favorite A Nightmare on Elm Street. And I'm like, yes. And I know people don't like the term elevated horror or anything like that. And with that whole, oh, it's elevated horror. That's so, it comes like, like you also sound like a snob for right. saying that. It's just just because Wes Craven put some extra thought into the movie doesn't mean you could just, you know, slap elevated horror on it. There's just all different kinds of horror. And mm -hmm. this was really his specialty of talking about psychology and impacts and pulling from real life and sticking it in his movies. I mean, they were so impacted by the things in his life. And, and it's just a part of Wes. And this was a really personal movie for him and for especially Heather Langenkamp at the time. So I don't even remember what the question was, but no, that, that, that's totally that's what I, or, or yeah. where, where I jumped in. But I think it was why I didn't like a nightmare or Wes Craven's new nightmare. Yeah. That's what it was. It was my interjection. Yeah. It, <laughs> that's what uh, that stemmed from. So first and foremost, it's awesome. And I thoroughly enjoy it. And I don't even know if the movie necessarily came, like it was a movie that was ahead of its time because you watch it and it's still very much a nineties movie, but there is just like the sense of something different, you know, I, and I, mm -hmm. there probably were other movies that were 
something similar like this at, at that time, but to yeah, kind of like borrow that, like that elevated horror phrase that is kind of like a weird four letter word right now. Mm-hmm. It, it almost kind of, yeah, it, it was something different within the genre. And maybe that also, when I say it was a little bit ahead of its time, why it didn't do that well. Cause out of all of the nightmare on Elm street films, it was far and away like the least successful in the box office, yeah. you know? I think that um, partially stems from, because I was, you'll be surprised to learn that I had just also talked about this movie a couple days ago. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. I love I, it so much. I, I, I pitch myself to everybody. If they don't ask me, I'm like, do you want to talk about Wes Craven's New Nightmare? Because I do. Yeah, I, I saw that you did. I was like, shit, <laughs> yeah. she's not going to want No, it. I always talk about it. And there's always something different every time. Mm-hmm. And the the one gentleman on, on, on that podcast was saying that the reason that he didn't like it at first was because it it wasn't what he expected. And, you know, he wanted to see more kills, more Freddy being Freddy. And I'm like, that's why a lot of people, when I've asked them, why don't you like this movie? It's because it is different. People come in with this expectation of this is going to be Freddy Krueger. He's going to be funny. He's going to be comedic. And that's partially why Wes Craven has him in the movie as being this like goofy guy that he basically become. It just pull him out of Freddy's dead and you stick him right there in the beginning of Wes Craven's new nightmare. And Wes wanted that contrast between the two. And I remember reading uh, an interview with Robert when he was talking about it. He was ready to come back to Wes Craven's New Nightmare and just play that that Freddy that he left off with. And Wes was like, no, 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 no. We're going to take it all the way back, but we want something fresh. And so Robert really had to prepare himself to be dark again, but also to reinvent Freddy. Mm-hmm. for this new entity that and do you really need to be that terrifying if you've got miko hughes in the movie because that kid is far and away like the scariest son of a bitch like that is ever like Such a good kid actor yeah 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 uh for the listeners miko hughes plays uh heather langkamp's son in this movie but y'all will probably recognize him as gage creed from the 1989 pet cemetery where he shocked audiences and blew everybody away with his uh his performance like just a three-year-old kid just yeah. fucking crushed it you know terrifying and, i know yeah. so fast forward like five years later you got you've got that kid he's a little bit older he's freaky he's freaky even in this and he's supposed to be like a nice kid but when he goes kind of like off he'll still shock the hell out of you yeah. So a couple things about the movie. We, we've we talked very loosely and generally about the movie, but the film obviously is Wes Craven's New Nightmare. It was released in 1994 uh, with a budget, from what I can see, about $8 million. It grossed about $20 million in the box office. Again, as stated before, unfortunately, the the weakest or the least successful in, in uh, the theaters, but has 78% of Rotten Tomatoes. So even then when it was released, there there was some love. In fact, I think it's like the second like the second highest after the original from like a, a critic like reception. So there are a lot of things going on. In fact, I I found this really really cool snippet from uh Roger Ebert who gave it 3 stars at it when it was released, which is really cool. Actually, I'm going to hold off on specifically what he said because I've got another question that I'm going to that I'm going to ask later on. But just keep keep in note that uh, Roger Ebert gave this movie some love. So anyway, point is, didn't do fantastic, but it was 
it was pretty regarded for the things that Wes Craven was doing in the film. So, Deandra, if you wouldn't mind, can you just paint a brief, like, small, like, summary of what is going on in this movie? We've talked about it in a very kind of, like, general way, if you don't mind, of course. Yes. Wes Craven's New Nightmare is about... Of course, it happens 10 years after the original Nightmare on Elm Street and Heather Langenkamp, who played Nancy, has a stalker after her and her son start the movie starts to pop up on their screen. She's having all of this. They want to do another Nightmare on Elm Street movie. And all of a sudden, all heck starts to break loose. And now Freddy's everywhere. He's coming after her son. He's trying to affect her in her personal life. And it turns out that this is a demon who has essentially taken on the form of Freddy. And in order to cross over into reality, he needs to face off against Heather, who played Nancy, the original, to defeat him. And so she has to return to play Nancy one last time in order to defeat the demon that has become Freddy Krueger. So written and directed by Wes Craven, and as we've talked pretty extensively, you have the return of Robert Englund playing Freddy Krueger, Heather Langenkamp, who plays herself, as well as Nancy. Um, John Saxon as himself, and again, Nancy's father. I already mentioned Miko Hughes, and a ton, an absolute ton of really cool cameos in this movie. You have a lot of people that were in the original Nightmare on Elm Street, as well as a couple uh, of the sequels, so they have like little small bits in it. But you have actors like W. Earl Brown. You've got the head of New Line Cinema, Robert Shea, uh, in it, which was really cool. His kid sister, uh, I say kid sister, I mean, she's, you know, old too. Uh, but Lynn Shea, who, for anybody that's ever watched any of the Farrelly Brothers movies, she she played Magda in There's Something About Mary. And, you know, she, she's been in a ton, a ton of films. Hell, she was in the original Nightmare on Elm Street as one of the teachers, so she was in the original, she's in this. Uh, who else am I forgetting? I know there's somebody else in this movie that Bodie Elfman, uh, who was married to Jenna Elfman once upon a time for like a minute. Uh, somebody else. I'm, I'm sure there are other people that I'm, I'm leaving off. Tuesday um, night from part yeah. four. Yeah, Tuesday night from part four is in this Nancy as well. Nancy England, Robert's wife, even has a little bit of a, an appearance in the movie. She also played Heather's stand-in, I believe, which is a fun fact. I did not know that. Hmm. Yeah. I, you've, you've kind of gone over it, but what what brings you back? You, you've stated that this movie is tied with Phantom of the Opera. What brings you back to this movie specifically? It's become a comfort movie for me. There's something about continuously revisiting this idea that Wes explored. And I feel like every time I rewatch it, there's something new and there's still suspense, even though I know what's going to be happening, um, where Freddie's going to be popping out, what they're going to be saying. And I love the idea that it's almost like a documentary that and the way it's shot and the way that like, there's not too much, colors or wild lighting it's very neutral and natural and like I said in Heather's performance and I just think that the movie is a fun watch and it just never gets old for me it just it's it's just a it's just a really good movie yeah I agree now we we've talked obviously a lot about the entire Nightmare on Elm Street universe but if for the listener, if they've never seen anything, can they 
turn this movie on and appreciate it, even if they know nothing about Freddy. Yeah, I think even though it's it's tied to the first movie, it's it pretty much stands on its own. And you don't need the first movie to I mean, if you want to get the references, but it doesn't matter because they still work as something fresh and new. They don't feel forced. There are um, there everything ties together because when they have the certain flash flashes of the movie on the TV, it ties into something else that's in the movie. Like knowing that when John Saxon becomes her dad again, you're not like, who's he supposed to be? Because they had just shown the scene from the movie earlier where you kind of get that. So it stands on its Mm -hmm. own. And I think the message is still very poignant because um, it's, it's not, it's not related to any other story. It's, it's its own commentary about horror movies and movies in general. I love that. Uh, and this is now a perfect segue for Roger Ebert. Told you he'd come back at some point. So what he said is serious fans of horror movies relate only in a secondary way to the chills themselves. They're connoisseurs of the genre, the special effects, the makeup, the in jokes. They're going to love this movie, which seems to have been made not only for, but by Fangoria fans, but also works for general audiences. I haven't been exactly a fan of the Nightmare series, but I found this movie with its unsettling questions about the effects, or rather about the effect of horror on those who create it, strangely intriguing. So there you go. I mean, you heard it from like the goat himself right there. So he's stating... There's a little something for everybody, you know, whether you're a big fan of this series or if you're completely new, you're going to find different elements about this movie incredibly intriguing. So, again, highly, highly recommend it. And that is what I've got before I uh, transition to putting on the hot seat and asking you uh, some some trivia questions, if you don't mind. Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, I'm pretty sure you're going to ace this. I hope so. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're like, there are a ton of like, like softball questions in here, right? But uh, for somebody that is super, super knowledgeable, in fact, we're gonna, we'll we'll start off kind of simple with giving you some real, real easy questions. So uh, first and foremost, we're obviously in the month of October. And by the way, thank you very much for, uh, you know, uh, being my guest for this month, all month long, I'm going to be just featuring nothing but horror films. So what is your what's your favorite part of Halloween? Of Halloween, I would say um, I really like. That's a tough one because there's so much to love about the season. It's definitely not burning Halloween candles or having decorations because that's kind of what we do all year as horror fans. I mean, this this room that I am surrounded by here, most of the stuff I bought it, I bought a lot of stuff at Spirit Halloween and people are meant to put that up during Halloween only. And this is just like our natural decor. And so, um, but they're kind of tied to that. I really love Halloween night and I love it Mm. when there's trick or treating on Halloween night, even if it's a weekday, because it's just such a magical day. And every night there's always the tradition of, of I watch the original Halloween on Halloween night because I just feel like it it captures that magic of Halloween. And I love trick or treaters. I love them so much. I 
bought my first house this year and it's been my goal for, for hey, thank you for a really long time to do so. <laughs> and the number one reason I wanted a house is so I could decorate it for trick-or-treaters because I remember being a kid and loving trick-or-treat, loving putting on a costume and everybody starts to walk around and it's chilly and the leaves are crunching and you've got your bag with candy. And there was this house, my parents always decorated and they always had this witch that made like this sound, but there was this house on the corner. They didn't have a lot of decorations up. They had a lot of spider webs, but they always played really loud, spooky music. And I love that. It just added so much to the atmosphere. And I really wanted to be that house that the kids would get excited about when they grow up. They'll talk about that house that always made them love Halloween or that just stuck out in their mind. And so I love, I love Halloween night. And I really, really love trick-or-treating, seeing the kids, the neighborhood, the feeling that you get. I, I, I love all of that. That's my favorite part of Halloween. Candy corn, hell yes or fuck no. <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, uh, candy corn is very much a either a hell yes or a fuck now. I've, I've tried. I've tried. I actually bought these uh, sour sour patch candy corns that I found in Kroger near all the Halloween candy, and I thought it was just candy corn shaped sour like sour candies. No, <laughs> they have the consistency of candy corn, so they're still better than candy corn. There's something right. about that consistency. I just can't get behind a total staple. Leave it on the table. Don't touch it. I'm good with that. <laughs> <laughs> What's worse, candy corn or peeps? Oh man, I love peeps. So definitely candy what? corn. I love <laughs> peeps. I love peeps. And I love to take the little ghost peeps and stick them in a hot chocolate. They're the best. They're the best. <laughs> awesome. All right, here we go. Like I said, simple, simple questions right there. But um, all right, what is the address to the famed house in Nightmare on Elm Street? The, the, the house that appears in all the films, what is its We're address? We're talking about the, the actual address of the actual house, like in our world. Oh, in the in the films, the oh. the address on the door where oh. where Nancy fourteen twenty eight Elm Street. All right, perfect. All right, which film protagonists live there in the in the overarching series? Which who lived in that house? Nancy Thompson and Jesse Walsh. Do you want to count Laurie Campbell from Freddy vs. Oh, Jason? Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, Laurie Campbell. We can put her in there. What did you think of Freddy versus Jason? Uh, I forgot to mention it earlier, but actually after Freddy's dead, I watched Freddy versus Jason. And I think it's, it's my, it's my go-to whenever the friends are like, I want to watch a fun horror movie. I'm like, oh, Freddy versus Jason, like just pop yeah. it in. They're just casual horror fans. We just want to have a blast. Freddy versus Jason. Who do you think wins? Freddy or Jason? I am going to say, well, Ronnie Yu said they wanted to make it a tie because they didn't want one fandom or the other to get upset. So I always say it's a tie. I always kind of say Lori won because technically Freddy was the last person standing until Lori chopped his head off, even though Jason stuck his arm through, Jason stuck Freddy's arm through Freddy, Lori cut his head off. So a lot of people say that Jason won because he came out in one piece, but like it was kind of two against one at the end there. And you really do really kind of want Jason to win because they had to be a, they were both bad guys, but one had to be the worst guy. And that was Freddie. And even I rooted for Jason in the movie, but <laughs> <laughs> because they did such a good job. Yeah. Jason was so cute, which I know a lot of people also don't like that fact, but I love that fact. And um, mm. 
So I, I think it could be counted as a tie realistically. Um, I know a lot of people argue about it, but I, I still consider it a tie because Ronnie, you said it was a tie. But really, like who took the bigger beating? I mean, Jason took a bigger beating and I felt yeah, I mean, he, come he on, definitely but. did. Although, I mean, Freddie did come out with one arm and, and no head. <laughs> it's true. It is true. <laughs> All right. So the the whole like overriding Elm Street concept where teams are essentially tortured and then suffer nightmare deaths. Is that based on a true story? No. True or false? Kind of. Not really, though. No, because there was no actual Freddy Krueger. It was based on um, over in Asia. Wes had read stories that there was this kid who couldn't sleep and he was afraid to go to sleep and his parents were like you have to go to sleep and he was like no and they found coffee pots under his bed and then his parents like forced him to take sleeping pills or he fell asleep and uh he they heard thrashing and by the time they got to him he was dead and so that's where he got the inspiration for for the story yeah, so it had to do with like a lot of these uh, like refugees um, in like Cambodia. We we hear about this uh, specifically this one kid, but apparently this happened on more than one occasion that these people that went through this horrible like genocide experience in late seventies over in Cambodia or Laos. I want to say it was like the LA Times or LA Weekly or something like Popo did this article in like nineteen eighty one or something like that. And it was just kind of wild. Yeah, so not necessarily based on a true story, but something similar did happen. So that is some crazy shit. Deep question, uh, deep cut question for you. Obviously, following the success of Nightmare on Elm Street, Heather Langenkamp, you know, took on a lot of a lot of like the original film took on a lot of like TV roles, and specifically, she was on this one TV show called Just the Ten of Us. Are you familiar with Just the Ten of Us? I am. So essentially, uh, for the listeners, Just the Ten of Us was the story that followed this this Catholic family, and he was a gym teacher, and he had all these kids. Uh, the coach was Coach Lubbock. Now that that show in itself was a spinoff of another really popular show in the 1980s. What show was it a spinoff of? Growing Pains. Boom. Nailed it. Fun fact. Do you know that one of her sisters on the show? There are two of them. There's Brooke Thies, um, who played Debbie in part four. And then there's Joanne Willette, who was a girl on the bus in part two. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a running joke on the show because... their brother loves horror movies and he's got a Freddy poster. And then there's one time Heather comes in and goes, this looks like something out of Nightmare on Elm Street. So they, they kind of just kept running with it. See, that wasn't hard. You, you aced the quiz right there. So bravo to you. All right. Before we wrap up, do you have any, like any closing thoughts on this film or Freddy or anything else that you feel that maybe we missed out on that we should revisit at all? No, I I think that pretty much covers it. I will say if anybody wants to uh, not only watch the movie, but also get a deeper maybe appreciation for character thought and some of what happens in the movie to also take a look at the novelization that exists of Wes Craven's Do Nightmare, because it also gives you a deeper understanding of the various elements and um, events in the movie and kind of where the characters are uh, in their headspace. And I just hope that a lot of people out there who haven't seen it 
or haven't seen it in a while and maybe didn't like it at first, take time to revisit it and consider some of what Andrew and I have talked about and even look at some of Wes's interviews and understand that it's not meant to be a horror movie. It's basically a drama about horror and it asks the audience the question because everybody was asking the question, do horror movies create bad people? Do they make people do bad things? And that question is kind of answered in Scream when Billy says horror movies don't create psychos. Horror movies make psychos more creative. So no, they don't make you do bad things, but if you're a bad person, you might get some ideas from them. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that is perfect. Now, completely unrelated to Nightmare on Elm Street, I, I am curious because um, this was actually our first interaction and you, you stated that you prefer aliens over alien. And I'm just, I'm just kind of curious why. <sighs> And by the way, they're both great. They're, they're both great films. I feel like they both are really good movies. They both are really good movies. I really like all of the characters. I think I have a tendency to also really enjoy, even though I, I, I like when you get into the thought and like Wes Craven's mind, and I'm always like Wes, Wes Craven and analysis and just taking horror movies and being like, what does this mean? What does it mean? I also really enjoy fun horror movies. And to me, Aliens is really it's more the the first one is like pretty serious and and ripley is a total ass kicker there's some great moments in that it's terrifying the second one also terrifying but i love the characters i love some of the humor in it i love a lot of the quotes with sigourney weaver when she's facing off against the alien there's just something about it that's more action-packed to me yeah. that I just have a blast every single time I watch it. I love Newt and, and I, I love, I love that movie. I love them both, but, but that movie is one that I'd be more likely to just put on than the other one. I have to get like a headspace to watch the, uh, to watch alien <laughs> because it is right. such no, an I'm, emotional journey. Yeah. And aliens is far and away more quotable. I'm not gonna, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna take anything away. I mean, obviously James Cameron, James Cameron is going to James Cameron and he's a hell of a filmmaker, but uh, for the listeners, just to bring you back, how I, I came to uh, meet Deandra was really by chance, just somebody had posed a question of what horror sequel or remake is better than the original. And Deandra said, Aliens and you know, Terminator 2, Hellbound, Hellraiser 2, and The Last House on the left. And I'm like, okay, all right, I'm, I'm on board. But, but I'm like, she can't really mean that Aliens is better than Alien. So I said to her, well, with all due respect, Aliens is not better than Alien. One is among the scariest horror films. The other is a really good action film. And then Deandra, with the perfect level of sass, says, with all due respect, I said what I said. And uh, I'm like, that, that is perfect. And I like this person. I need to be friends with this person. So, that is my go-to uh, phrase quite often. I totally am being <laughs> very facetious when I say it. I mean, there's always a little bit of like seriousness whenever there's a joke, no matter what and joke anybody says. As somebody who literally lives in jokes to cope with life, there's always a little bit of seriousness in there. But no, I remember that. Oh my gosh, that was you. I still yeah. sometimes think about that. I'm like, man, he was so right. He is so right. 
Yes. Oh, man, because it's true. It is true that, you know, both are really good. And yeah, there's no facts you can really run off of because you can't say one movie is is good and better than the other one because it's it's all opinion. Um, just which one I guess you enjoy more. And I, sometimes yeah. you could say which one is a better movie based on the different aspects, the character development. Um, the themes, something along those lines, the acting, but yeah, it really is all up to the individual. And I just, I just felt like for me, I really enjoyed aliens more, but hellbound hellraiser too, man. I, I love that movie. And I enjoyed the remake of last house on the left way more than the original. I remember watching, I've only seen the original once and I was like, I have to watch this cause it's Wes Craven, but I was like kind of bored and kind of, just like this is this is a little too much for me it just doesn't have yeah. much else to it so when i watched that movie i when i watched the remake i was like this is such a freaking good movie i really enjoy it and i've been telling everybody about it because i've heard about it for years you got to see this it's it's great it's arguably better than the original sometimes it, depending on the person and wes was involved with it and i was like yeah yeah whatever i really didn't like the first the, the original so much that i just kept holding it off and then my boyfriend's like no we have to watch it and we did and i i was glad i did i was glad i did yeah the the original i saw I don't know, I might have been 18 or 19 years old. I had a really cool uh, video store where I was from. And, and you know, it was VHS, and this was forever ago. And, you know, finding a last house on the on the left VHS at that time, it, it was like a deep cut find. So I was really, like, cool. Like, yay, I found this movie. I watched it. And I don't know. I was more disturbed than entertained by it. And the remake, still a very disturbing film, but it, it, I don't know acting production value etc aaron paul's in it too right like is that the what which one is he again is he what what else has he been in jesse pinkman from breaking bad oh yeah that's him yeah okay yep, he's in it yep uh, so another reason why uh, i would have been a little bit more on board because i would have saw it during like the height of my like breaking bad obsession so but yeah uh, i was on board with everything i just uh, like I said, that alien versus aliens. I'm like, so what, 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 which movies do you think where the sequel is better or the remake is better than the original? I know we talked about last house on the left, but <sighs> what other ones do you think? Man. Um, Just curious. Let me do sequels because remakes will be here. will be for here forever with me. Just trying to find it because I, I really can't, <laughs> I can't think. I really have to go back into the vault to really think of them. But as far as sequels, mm-hmm. just the 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 obvious ones and Godfather 2. But like if we're talking like horror and that's where I want to focus on, you know, like I said, mm-hmm. um, a sequel better than the original shit. Uh, I'm with you on Hellraiser 2. I think that one. Uh, yes. And I thoroughly enjoy watch uh, watching the uh last drive-in with joe bob when when they when they covered mm-hmm. cover that and by the way how great is shutter like just oh god i'm so excited i love it and like we were talking about earlier that new gulag that it's the trick-or-treat theme which i love trick-or-treat obviously right now i'm wearing my sam <laughs> shirt from cavity colors and i just i love it so much and I, I loved it when i first saw it many many years ago and i'm glad to see that it's being well represented um another movie that takes place in ohio i want to add which is <laughs> another reason why i'll never leave because it's another one of my favorites um but yeah man they have such good movies and tv shows and 
I never have ever once regretted getting shutter. I tell people all the time, my cousin actually still really enjoys horror movies. The one that had the universal monsters. And I told him about it and found out that he subscribed to them and he enjoys it. And that makes me happy. I mean, they just have such good programming and I really like, it's a really good way to see a lot of movies that aren't in the mainstream. Cause a lot of people talk about how modern horror isn't that great, but I have seen a lot of great movies on there and mm-hmm. even on Hulu or Netflix that, that that just make me really happy and have changed my perspective on modern horror. Yeah. So yeah. I love I love the hell out of Shutter. I can't wait for Joe Bob's Halloween special and Creep Show and <laughs> yep. oh my gosh. What um and we're we'll wrap up and I'm I'm sorry, I I will just completely like nerd out on movies forever. So I apologize. Uh, I will too. So no problem. <laughs> uh, what do you have any, any favorites that you've seen this year? Like anything that like a, like a, like a good, good horror flick that like, yeah, that that's the movie that's on my mind. I have to talk about this movie to other people. Oh boy. Um, let's see. I really enjoyed the hunt mm. a lot. I had, so I watched it the day before everything shut down with COVID. And I had so much fun in that movie because I, I just love the, the satire and um, you know, the, 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 who's good, who's bad and, and the humor. And I love Betty Gilpin. I loved her friend glow. And I thought she just did such a really good job with that character. And it was it wasn't like a, a standard interpretation. I mean, just the little quirks that she gave um, gave her character and the name is escaping me right now. Uh, I remember they called her Snowball, but Crystal, yeah. Crystal. And I, I really enjoyed that. So I talk about that a lot. I saw Becky, um, which really surprised me. Um, I, I heard it would be good but it ended up being great. Hold on. Let me pull up some other ones here that I recently saw. Uh, Cause I've been trying to keep a list of all the horror movie I, movies I've been watching so that I can, because I watch so many that I, I want to make sure that I can reference them. Um, I watched the guest, mm. which I thought was really good. Um, let's see. What else do we have here? Oh, on Netflix, what keeps you alive was pretty suspenseful. Um, the beach house. Oh, so what did you think of the beach house? I really liked it. I felt like it, I didn't know where it was going at first. I thought, are they high the whole time? Is this going (laughs) to develop into something else? But it ended up being a very, very creepy. I think it was, it reminded me of, reminded me of the fog mixed with like alien and it it was wild. It, It left me with an unsettling feeling. So but yeah. I liked it. Yeah, totally. I loved it. You, um, you, you mentioned the alien, uh, mentioned alien reminded me, uh, while we were talking, I thought of a couple other sequels. I like more than the original. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love the original. I love the original night of the living dead, but I do think I like Dawn of the dead more. I do. I can't really weigh too much in on that because I'm, terrified of zombies so yeah i haven't seen a lot of zombie movies because i, I will be awake at night <laughs> uh yeah it, it, it's they i mean they're they're super dated but what romero was kind of going for was really really cool and they're 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 a fun ride but i totally get it zombies are terrifying but yeah love that and i don't know i don't know if 
if this is if if I'm if this is a faux pas or not. But I liked Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Shit, I think I like most of the sequels more than the original Friday the Thirteenth. Even though Kevin Bacon was in the original, but I, I think when Jason was introduced in Friday the Thirteenth, I think I liked I liked Part Two a bit more than the original. Me too. And maybe. I mean, they're basically the same movie, but I think I like Evil Dead 2 more than, than Evil Dead. So you're more of a, are you more of a, a scary Evil Dead kind of person? Are you like when they kind of venture to the more of the humor or do you like that kind of middle ground? Now I'm saying that I think I actually know, I think I do prefer the original over uh, Dead by Dawn. I don't know. I mean, I, I liked when they did incorporate humor. I thought it was, I thought it was really fun how they did that, but I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm torn. Um, did you like the TV show? Did you see the TV show? I never saw it. Uh, actually, that's a lie. I love I saw, that one. I saw the, like the first episode and for whatever reason, I, I don't I just, it didn't, I didn't come back to it. I didn't come back to it. So, gotcha. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to do that. No, no, I take it back. I do prefer the original. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I love that entire series, but I haven't. I haven't seen the show. Did Did you like it? Yeah, I I think that that might be my favorite installment. I just love the direction angle. I loved the tone of the whole thing. I really liked um, Kelly. I think was her name. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on it. But the lead female thought she was such a badass, and I just lo- I loved the way that the whole show was kind of laid out and the uh, use of Deep Purple throughout okay. the show, and just it, I just really liked the whole thing. I thought it was gory and funny, but also dark at the same time. Uh, one final question before before we wrap up. Actually, well, maybe two final questions. But we were talking about Shutter. I've been like the movie I'm obsessed with this year has been Host. And I talked to everybody and see if, if they saw it and nobody really has seen it. Have you seen it? And what did you think? I did. I know a lot of people don't like found footage movies or mm. anything of the sort, but I have a personal fear of evil entities and found footage movies, evil entities that you can't see, usually pretty much all demonic. The paranormal activity movies freaked me out, but host yeah. really freaked me out. However, um, one thing about the movie that I didn't like is that they started to show the thing that was Mm, after the girls. mm -hmm, And that reminded me of Insidious. And it was like super scary until you got up to, oh, there's the red demon all of a sudden and he's super fierce. And I thought that that just, I still really enjoyed that movie, but it just set a different tone once they showed that. But very, very creepy. I liked the shot and I know a lot of people did of of the filter on the... Mm the demon, which uh, that, that, that freaked me out. But yeah, I, there are a few horror movies that I, I stop watching and go, okay, that, that, that creeped me out. But my hair was standing up for a good hour, couple of hours, even into the next morning after I saw that. I just remember like one night, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to turn this on. I had no idea other than there were a couple good reviews, but I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll check it out. And I, uh, I rarely get like freaked out over a movie, but that one, that one, uh, that, that movie had me bugging. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, and it I, is even worse because you can't, because everybody's so se- separated and not really many people are going to open their door necessarily for somebody in the middle of a pandemic. So it's even more separated than you would be alone in your house at night during normal times. 
I, and I really give them credit for shooting that whole movie. Mm -hmm. Pretty much everybody by themselves. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. You, you mentioned found footage and I, I didn't really know if I was a big fan of, of that style or not, mm -hmm. but 2020 has turned me on. I finally, after I guess seven, eight years, finally got around to seeing Creep and Creep 2. Uh, and holy shit. I haven't shit. seen the sequel, but yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes. So good. Uh, yes. And, and the sequel, no, it's not. I'm like, well, shit, maybe that one's better. No, it's not better than the original, but it's pretty damn close. It, it, it's really, really well done. And yeah, can't wait to see if they do a third one. I, I've heard talks that they're going to do it. I don't know. I won't, I won't know until I, you know, I literally see a trailer for it, but yeah. yeah, Creep and Creep 2 were really good. Big fan. Good. I know that's, that's on my watch list. I noticed a lot of things popping up. I added Starfish to my watch list. I haven't seen Blade in a while, so I added that to my watch Blade. list. <laughs> yeah, and Creep has been on my list. Creep 2 has been on my list for a while because I did really enjoy the first one. It really weirded me out. And so when I saw that they were making a sequel, I said, oh, I have to watch that, but I've still yet to watch it. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to, you know, segue into the wrap up. I know you've got a, a documentary coming out. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So the other day we watched the first rough cut of a group of us who are involved watched the first rough cut of Fred Heads the documentary and Fred Heads is a documentary dedicated to the fandom, the culture of, of the community, how the film has impacted people and how horror really is like a family and people have these negative perceptions including a lot of parents who say, I didn't know what it was. I don't, didn't know what it meant when my child was getting into Freddy Krueger and meeting all these internet friends, things you heard were bad about the internet, but how it's really impacted people and everybody's unique stories along the way, but they're all pretty similar. And it's just really powerful to watch it. It still has to go through some final tweaking. We all took notes, little notes, but man, even though I was there for most of pretty much all of the filming. I still laughed. I was still cheering. I still cried. And it was an amazing journey to watch. And I can't wait for more people to see it because for a Nightmare on Elm Street fans, horror fans, yes. And definitely for Nightmare on Elm Street fans, I think it's going to hit very close to home. I'm thrilled. I want to see it. I'm, I'm, I'm super, super excited about it. So um, congrats and uh, good luck. And I, I can't wait to see what, what comes up as a result of that. So thank you. That's really all I've got to say. I mean, if there's anything else you want to throw out there before we conclude tonight, I just want to say thank you so much for for taking the opportunity to speak with me this past hour. It, it's It's been great, and uh, it's always fun to talk to another person that loves Freddie. Bullshit, I was going to say almost as much as I do, but I think, yeah, I, th I think you have got me beat. Thank you, got <laughs> I me. think I just spend a lot of time doing it. <laughs> it's spread out over a significant amount of time. But yeah, I do. I do live for a Nightmare on Elm Street. I did another podcast recently when we were not talking about a Nightmare on Elm Street, but we found our way back and we dedicated a significant amount of time to a Nightmare on Elm Street. And I said, oh crap, I was supposed to be talking about other things, but I always fall back into this hole. So, you know, and if you, if you ever want to talk about other elements of a Nightmare on Elm Street, you're always welcome on my podcast with, Hell yeah. yeah, talk about anything. If you ever have any kind of burning questions you want to talk about, cause we, we like to delve into some of the discussions that not a lot of people have about this the franchise so let me know and let's 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 talk about it i would totally love that 
I'm all on board. All right, Deandra, thank you again. And listeners, thank you very much for listening. And we will see you next time. Deandra, again, thank you so much and have a good night. You too.